If you want to go beyond the rink and into the dressing room, there's only one place to be, the Hockeyverse, with your hosts, Michael Trakos and Johnny Legend. All right, we, we got to address this because uh, a lot of Leaf fans are freaking out. Matt Murray is injured. He's got a concussion. He might be done for the season. And, you know, it seems like doom and gloom is hanging over Toronto. And I'm, I'm here to say, if you thought Matt Murray was going to somehow do what he did with the Pittsburgh Penguins so long ago and lead the Leafs to a Stanley Cup, I don't know what to tell you. In an ideal world, he was never, never, going to see any ice for any meaningful time in these playoffs. So him possibly being done for the year with yet another concussion, it doesn't change anything. This is still Samsonov's net. It has been all year. Now Samsonov is just operating without a safety net. Although that really depends on what you thought of Matt Murray and more importantly, what you think of Joseph Wall. But Wall does have better numbers than Murray this year. And Wall's 24, you know, the age where goaltenders start to emerge. So who knows? Maybe Kyle Dubas dodged another bullet. Really, it's all about can you be good enough to hold Tampa to two or three goals? And that's Samsonov or Wall or whoever the Leafs have in net. That, that's the job. Hold Tampa to two to three goals. Because as good as Andre Vasilevsky is, the Leafs have the firepower to win the series, no matter who is in net. With that and much, much more on today's edition of the Hockeyverse. You just found the world's latest and greatest hockey, sports, and entertainment podcast. This is the Hockeyverse. On today's episode, we're joined by NHL prospects expert Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News to help us answer listeners' questions about Matthew Nyes and the NCAA Frozen Four. But this was after an introductory conversation where we talked about the Leafs, specifically why Kyle Dubas traded for Matt Murray last summer, the league, our lives, and much more. By the way, check out the show notes for timestamps if you want to fast forward to your favorite part. Also, if you want to be on an episode like this one, email your questions to heyhockeyverse at gmail.com. Pop in that mouth guard and let's go. How you doing there, Johnny? I'm doing good, brother. Time to uh, freak out because Matt Murray is uh, you know, possibly donezo for the year. Well, I think you kind of have to start worrying now. Is he gone for the year? Is that official? It's not official, but how many concussions has this guy had? How mm. many injuries as this guy had like he got hurt basically after the first game of the season and was out for what four weeks with an adductor injury and what we know he had concussion problems in ottawa i'm not saying that he's to blame or he's mr glass or you know he's got the the body of a 90 year old vegan or something like that because uh, i do feel for him and that was such a freak injury like lucas raymond took him out i don't think raymond meant to do it uh, I, I really don't think Murray saw him coming, but end of the day, y- you might have now a playoff where you, you've got to rely on Ilya Samsonov, who has what? Has he played in eight playoff games? That's Boy, it. and then know. Joseph Wall, who I think was making his eighth start on the night that we're recording this uh, podcast. That's not a whole lot of experience. Unfortunate. Yeah, that's definitely unfortunate. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, something happens every year, man. Something happens every year. I guess the, the, the only good part is it's not Samsonov that got hurt. No, that would be a disaster. That would be a nightmare. Although, and I mean, there's still hope. I mean, if Joseph Wall goes in, we're in trouble, but there's still hope that maybe he's one of those stories like Matt Murray was when he came in. Johnny, who's Tampa's uh, backup goalie? I don't think they have one. It's Brian Elliott. Is it? He's still in the league? Newmarket Zone. I think he's still there. He was there last year. Okay, here's the thing about Brian Elliott. The guy's in Newmarket High School's Hall of Fame. Great guy. You know, the fact that he played as long as he he has in the NHL, it's amazing. So last year, Tampa and Toronto are playing in the playoffs and uh, the Lightning are practicing at the Rico's Coliseum or Rico Center or Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola Coliseum, whatever they want to call it these days, down at Exhibition Place, basically where the Marlies uh, play their games. And I'm sitting in the stands watching them practice and next to me is Brian Elliott's dad and strike up a conversation. At one point, Johnny, right before game one, he goes, Hey, you think, you think Brian's going to be uh, playing much this, uh, this series? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, proud dad. Well, Brian, <laughs> like, Elliott, you, you know, he's not going to see any game time. Brian Elliott was a stud at one point. He was, but it's Vasilevsky. And, and the whole yeah. point is if Tampa's backup goalie goes down, no one in Tampa Bay gives a crap. Well, I mean, pay attention. They pay all their money to their number one goalie and nothing to the backup. The Leafs just keep getting two $5 million guys. Well, hey, <laughs> right? listen, uh, Samsonov is not making $5 million. No, but he's a $5 million guy. You know, yeah. that's what they do. They turn them into a $5 million guy and ship them out. Okay. So you're Kyle Dubas. This is last summer. There's the whole need for a goaltender. You, you know, Jack Campbell may or may not come back. He's an option. Where do you go? Because I, I'm curious to say if you end up with Samsonov Murray or you end up with uh, two other guys. Okay. So here's the thing. In the summer, I was actually very um, immersed in who the Leafs were going to get for the goaltending because I knew that that was the re- that one of the main reasons why they're not going anywhere in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So there were four goalies that the Leafs were tied to. There was one that I actually did really want, even though he was an older guy, but one of them Don't was- say Mike Smith. No. One of them was Simeon Varlamov. Okay. Okay. So what do you think about him? Would he have been any better than Matt Murray? We'll call it Matt Murray because they got Matt Murray to be the number one goalie and Samsonov to be the one B. So you, right? you want a tandem of Varlamov and Samsonov? I do the, not. The all Russian tandem? I or? do not and I did not. But this is a goalie they were tied to that they tried to get. Yeah. The, the options, there were a lot of options. Like, there were, but they were actually tied to four. So the the problem with, and I'm going to go through some of the options and you tell me if these are what you'd consider a plus goalies or what you just derisively called $5 million tenders, <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of guys, that $5 million cast off, basically just guys, just dudes, just, just guys that can come in the net. Um, all right, here we go. So you could have had Jack Campbell back 5 million a year. You, you could have had Darcy Kemper, who had just come off a cup win with Colorado. Again, you're not getting them for under $5 million. Ends up going to uh, uh, Washington. You could have had Marc-Andre Fleury. You could have had Georgiev, who went to Colorado. You could have had Vili Heso. You could have had Braden Holpe, Mike Smith, uh, what, Craig Anderson. You're going to bring, what's Cujo up to? Yeah, might as well bring up pot fans not are, doing are, anything. Are, are any of those guys... Like on paper, are, are there any of them really better than Samsonov? I don't know. See, of, of the four that the Leafs were tied to, uh, the other two that you missed were Anton Forsberg, and they actually were going to bring back James Reimer. Dude. Which, I mean, I didn't, that I didn't name everyone, but yeah. <laughs> but those were the four that they almost got, and they were really close to getting Marc-Andre Fleury, which is the one that I was hoping they were going to get. Mark Andre Fleury, you'd rather have than so you'd have a then Matt Murray, then Matt Murray, Matt Murray. It would have been Fleury and Samsonov. Here's what I I'll give Kyle Dubas credit because he got two guys that were really trying to prove themselves, and like Samsonov's on a prove me contract. Murray is coming off a disastrous what two or three years in Ottawa. I know what he was was terrible in Pittsburgh, but still young enough and. He had the familiarity with not only Kyle Dubas, with, but with also Sheldon Keefe, uh, two guys who uh, were with him back in the Sioux Greyhound days. So I, I understood that. And Toronto's goalie coach, uh, uh, is, it, is it Doug Elkind? Um, anyway, their goalie coach was also Matt Murray's longtime goalie coach. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the main reason why, like he was taking a shot that he could bring back the old Matt Murray, like the one that won the cups. But there's logic. There's reason there. Mm. Like when you've got the familiarity and you're looking at a guy going, yeah, well, everyone looks bad in Ottawa. Like look at Cam Talbot, another potential option Mm. for the Leafs this year. He didn't look good in Ottawa this year. It's hard to look good in Ottawa. Well, that's my whole point. You You know how you know when your team's not doing well? When the fans are holding up signs, asking somebody to buy the team. Yeah. It, it would have been different <laughs> if like, <laughs> say if Kyle Dubas passed on, I don't know. If, if Shesterkin was available this summer and he said, you know what? I just don't, I don't believe in him. I'm, I'm going with Murray. Fine. I'm with you. But 
the alternatives weren't that great and they were expensive. Mm. Yeah. Flurry was going to be pricey. And it's, he's an old guy and it's not like he was coming off of like his prime years. Like you're just waiting for a Marc-Andre Fleury to kind of fall off that cliff where you're going, oh, he's not the same guy anymore. Yeah. And, and how's he doing this year? I haven't looked at his stats, <laughs> but, but Samsonov hasn't had a bad year. Samsonov's had a great year. Like that was a steal. Feels like we're complaining about no. a scenario that hasn't happened. Exactly. You know why? That's the leaf flu, right? Everybody is like, it's going too well. Something's got to happen. Look, Samsonov... For all intents and purposes, 915 save percentage is really good. Like you don't have to be that good of a goalie to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sorry to say, but when you're, when you've got Matthews and you've got Marner and Nylander and Tavares and now O'Reilly and hell, Yarn Crook might score 20 goals. Like you could throw a beer leaguer in that and still kind of get by and still make the playoffs. Now, when you're going up a Vasilevsky uh, in the first round, head to head with a Vasilevsky, that's where fans start freaking out and going, well, they don't have the edge in that. Yeah, but when you look at Tampa and it's it's, it's happening, right? It's going to be Toronto-Tampa. Where, where do you give Toronto the edge? Do you give Toronto's forwards the edge over Tampa's? Do you give Toronto's defense now with you know some more uh, bodies back there? Do you give that the edge over Tampa's defense? It, it becomes interesting. It's not just a goalie battle. This isn't the MLB where it's just like, hey, I got a couple of ace pitchers and we're just going to shut you down. The Leafs scored on Vasilevsky last year. That, that wasn't the problem. It was a tight series. And I'll still argue this to the day I died. Jack Campbell did not cost the Leafs the series last year. No, 100%. What cost them was, I think, the defense. They needed more defense. And that's what they went and did this year. Yeah, I they loaded it up. I'll I, say it every time. It's the defense, man. The defense and the fourth line. Those were the two things that were missing last year. People are freaking out over nothing. Like, I get it. It's an easy one for Matt Murray. The guy is fragile. And we, and who, who's surprised? Like, is anyone surprised that Matt Murray's injured again? Well, no, but I mean, he did put him in the most optimal situation to succeed that any team could have put him in. Right. All he had to do was stay healthy. That's a, that's a, big, and that's tough. That's a big ask. And that's tough. And what Leafs probably got one of the best training staffs in the, in the league to keep you healthy and some of it's just bad luck. Like I think that's a lot of it. Like la- like that last injury, that last concussion, that was bad luck. Like remember the Cal Wellwood days and he was getting injured and I, I remember talking to his dad and he blamed, hey, Kyle never did the off-season training and that's why he's tearing all these um, groin muscles and having problems. You're not hearing that with Murray. It's not like this guy got fat and lazy and is not doing uh, the, the proper stuff to stay in shape. Like the injury the other night was just, well, that was just a fluke. Bad luck. The puck's up the ice. The, he's just trying to skate around the defense. Me loses an edge, takes him out. Yeah. So like you said, it, as, as much as this sounds callous, but it was better that it was Murray and not Samsonov. Because oh, 100%. if we're talking about a Murray wall tandem going into the series, now it's time to freak out. But yeah. If it's Samsonov wall, again, walls numbers this year. I, I get it. He hasn't done a lot, but it's not like this guy is like, he's not Eric Schalgren. He's not like some guy that just came out of nowhere and he wasn't even on the Leafs radar. And now he's their backup goalie. This is a third round pick. And if you're a third round pick as a goalie, that like, yeah, you got to be so special to be first round place for Boston universe or Boston college had great numbers there with the Marlies. The guy had a 927 save percentage in 49, oh, sorry, in uh, 21 games this year. Even with the Leafs, like he, he's been putting up good numbers at the NHL level. I get it. There's a small sample size. He's played not even 10 games in the NHL yet, but he's a backup. Again, who's Tampa's backup? We don't know. If Tampa has to go to their backup, yeah, it's a problem. If Toronto has to go to a backup, it's probably going to be a problem. I think if any team in the playoffs has to go to their backup, it's a problem. Exactly. I think what the Leafs were trying to do is make it so that they had less of a problem than the other teams would have if they have to go to their backup. But now that's not going to happen. So what's kind of funny is uh, this week, this uh, injury to Murray happens at a time where, you know, the the Toronto chapter of the professional hockey writers uh, association, which I'm a member um, was voting on the Masterton nominee Mm. for, uh, uh, Toronto. So basically all 
How many teams are in the NHL now? Are we up to 33 now? Or it's 30, like 800. <laughs> 800. <laughs> so every team uh, submits a Masterton nominee. And of those, then you vote on uh, three finalists. So you have to come up with uh, a nominee out of Toronto. And I abstain this year because I'm kind of in between things. And I haven't watched as many games in the last two months as I normally would. So I didn't feel right. But it doesn't mean you and I can't talk about it. So mm. Masterton Trophy. I don't know how many fans actually care about this one, but mm. it goes to basically, it's a kind it's of- It's a who perseverance ha- thing. It's, it is perseverance. It is kind of dedication to hockey and all that. Sportsmanship and- Typically, it goes to the guy who had the worst injury and came back. Yeah, generally. Yeah. Phil, Phil Kessel lost a testicle one year because of cancer. Came yeah, back. I remember that. He yeah. won it. And uh, Jason Blake. Jason. Yeah, the leukemia. Exactly. Meryl um, Lemieux. Max Talbot. Hodgkins. I believe Max Talbot won it. Or is, am I getting the wrong? I think it's not Max Talbot. One guy won it one year from Philadelphia and he didn't even play that year. <laughs> <laughs> he was around the team. But he was very sportsmanlike. Yeah. So but keep, I, don't, I don't even know if a lot of people know who Masterton is. You, you know Bill Masterton? Yeah. He's the only player to ever die on the ice in an NHL game. Didn't it happen? I think it happened at the All-Star game. 1968. I think that's, that was he the was a reason- Okay, so he dies, and I believe they had an all-star game as a fundraiser for his family. Yeah. And that's why we have all-star games yep. in the NHL. Yep. And um, it was actually, so they didn't wear helmets back then, obviously. And I, I read a story. This is before woke fans came into the game. This is right? before the woke fans came. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> frowned upon. There was one guy, so he played for the Boston Bruins. There was one guy on the Boston Bruins that wore a helmet, and then they traded him immediately after the season because he wore a helmet. Was that, do you know? I can't remember who it was. But Stan Makita wore one back in the day. Remember he had that? Yeah, hat? but it was Stan Makita though. That's, <laughs> he could have wore a birthday hat and nobody would have cared. Yeah, but um, so they had a guy, uh, a neurologist look at the reports and the pictures and stuff and the scans, whatever scans they could get back then. And he said that it looked like, and from all the accounts, that it was a secondary concussion. So he already had a concussion Oh man. And then when he hit his head after this, and it was a totally clean hit, he hit his head that time and it was a concussion on top of a concussion. And that's kind of what did it. He went, he went out, he woke up for a second on the ice. Then he went back to sleep and never woke up. So he didn't rub dirt on it and just get back in the game. Didn't rub dirt on it. Couldn't like he had blood coming out of his eyes and ears and come on, John. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was nasty, but he's the only player to ever die. On a, <laughs> as a direct result of an NHL game. Well, with that cheerful stat, you know, hey. I said come up with a stat in episode and this is the stat you come up with. Well, hey, may, maybe, maybe now everybody will pay more attention to the Masterton Trophy. All right. <laughs> Paying attention to the Masterton Trophy. I'm going to come up with a nominee. You come up with a nominee on the leaf. So <laughs> here's a two. I'm going to mention one guy and you, you tell me who your guy is. I, I was going to vote for Mark Giordano. And he hasn't been injured this year, but for a guy that looks like me, he's got this and kind of like you, same hairstyle, 39 years old, my, my boy, <laughs> that, that is perseverance, you know, playing the minutes he does, he's dressed, I think in almost every game this year, if, if not every game had a great year too. Like when you think about it, Mark Jordan on a 39, he, he's going to be putting up Probably, well, better points than he did, I think, last year. Oh, no. Still pretty good points. 24 points in 74 games going into this podcast. I, I love Giordano for this pick, and I think he's going to be Toronto's nominee. Who, who would you pick? Well, I mean, I don't know other than Giordano, but what about, um, you said a guy that never played in the during the season. What about Muzzin? Yeah. Because, I mean, he's been hurt before. Like, he... he yeah. Got hurt last year. And he's tried to come back. You know what? That's not a bad pick because he's very well liked in that room. And he's yeah. like the general. Yeah. I, I honestly, before they made those trades for like McCabe and uh, Shen, I was like, they, they miss a Muzzin. Oh, I'm a, I was a big Muzzin guy. That's why I wanted, like, I wanted Muzzin for a couple of years before they got him. And then it would have been, per- I always said it would be perfect if Shen could play with Muzzin. Like I've said that for like the last couple of years and then they went and got Shen. And I'm like, well, now there's no Muzzin. Yeah. So I guess McCabe Shen's will have to be the Muzzin. Muzzin. No, no, no. I wanted him to play with Muzzin. Right, right, right. That would have been perfect. Imagine trying to get across that blue line. Ooh. <laughs> 
I don't know how mobile that blue line is, but no, well, you kind of have to skate pretty close to them, but uh, you know, good luck. Luke Shen already has made that defense so much better oh, yeah. in my mind. So he's solid. He does what he's supposed to do. So I'm going to give you a stat here, John. So we know Toronto and Tampa are obviously matched up and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have said this back in October. You know what? That's not very far off. Toronto and Tampa have been matched up with each other as projected playoff opponents every day. Every day. They've been, you know, Toronto, Tampa, they're going to face each other since November 27th. <laughs> now, now tell me that the NHL regular season isn't meaningless. Well, you got to blame that on back on one of our first podcasts. I think I blame that on the shootout. It's keep it's keeping everybody too close together, man. Get some ties. You don't get the extra don't get the extra point for a shootout. Come on. Can you believe that? that hundred that's like something like 126 days, 52 games by the leaves with the same projected opponent. That's insane. I don't think there's any other two teams in in the league. No. That, that, I think that's where you kind of get like a, it's an 82 game season. I keep thinking you know, start the the hockey season a little later or end it a little earlier. But I, at 82 games, I still think the hockey season is a little too long. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I think so. I think the best year was that uh, lockout shortened year where they played like something like 40 something games. Every game mattered. It was like not quite like the NFL, but it had that kind of feeling where the games were weighted a little bit more. And not just that, how exciting was the all Canadian division? Ooh, that was a that great was one. great. Yeah, that was great hockey. Maybe not so good. It wouldn't be so good this year. No, so I don't think really this year. Bad Canadian because teams. once the Canadian teams got into the playoffs against the American teams, we got a little trouble. No, I, I kept thinking Winnipeg was going to be like. At one point, I called them to be Canada's best chance of winning a cup this year because I thought, you know, Hellebuck's looking great, and Josh Morrissey's going to get a lot of attention for the Norris. Now I'm like, are they going to make the playoffs? Yeah. Well, Shafley Schaif- only scores once every 10 games now. Yeah. Something's still wrong with it. Something smells in that dressing room. Ah, they got rid of the, like Blake Wheeler gets the captaincy stripped from him and still on the team. That's a bit awkward. Mm. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who they traded, uh, Patrick Laine to get. Yeah. He looks like he's already on his way out. I heard Elliot Friedman from the Sportsnet reporting that um, there's interest in Montreal and Dubois really wants to come back there being a French Canadian kid. Like that's not a good scene, man. Yeah. He never seems like he's wants to be there. Like he never seems like he wants to be playing. No, like, what, right, but what he does, work, like that series against Toronto where Dubois was matched up against Matthews and Tortorella was like kicking him in the back, kind of like provoke him. And we saw a guy who was just in beast mode that series and it, you see it at times, and I think that's probably frustrating for the Jets and similar to the whole William Nylander kind of thing where when he's going, you're going, this guy's as skilled as Matthews, as skilled as Marner. But when he's not going, you're like, he's actually, he's hurting you right now. So, yeah. I still can't believe that. 52 games playing the same opponent out of 82 games. So what's the point? They could have played 30 games. It's basically your whole season. Yeah, they could have played 30 games and then just played Tampa Bay. Well, Part of that's because Boston ran away with things like mm. they, they were just like, like for the first two months, they lose at home. I don't think so. Right. I don't think they did. No, they were. Yeah. I think they only lost one game in the first almost 20 period. Speaking of losing mm. end of an era, man, in Washington, you know, the Washington Capitals, I know Alex Ovechkin for the first, what, <laughs> for the first like 15 years of his career was considered a, a dog and coach killer and he's never going to captain a team to the playoff or to the Stanley cup. You know, they're going to be eliminated from the playoffs this year. I think they've already been eliminated. They made the playoffs for the last eight years in a row in 14 of the last 15 years. That's pretty darn good. Yep. How many, how many markets would love to have that? Yeah. And Ovechkin, you know, Ovechkin only twice in, in, in a full season has scored under 40 goals. That consistency, man. Solid. That's why when people are like, oh, I can't believe, I hear some people still upset that he's going to break Gretzky's record. And I don't know where you fall on this, but I, I love Ovechkin. I love Ovechkin too. Like he's, he's the perfect player. Who does he remind you of? Ovechkin? Cam Neely. Yeah. Cam Neely's a good one. Cam Neely. 
Totally. Because he's just a wrecking ball. You know, it's funny. We didn't even talk about that before. That's just, you say Ovechkin, I say it's Cam Neely. I say Lindros. You think Lindros? Ooh. Neely's good. But it's Ovechkin. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to put it a little higher. Because <laughs> he, he might go down on the rush, the Mount Rushmore of like hockey players. Well, how could he not? Wow. <laughs> how, how could you score the most goals do? ever and not? Yeah. For the modern era. Yeah, you're right. Probably for all time. Yeah. If you're the all time, they said that Gretzky's record would never be broken. Oh, they did. They said that that 894 goals would never be broken. That nobody would even get close. And like Jaeger had to play 50 years to get a sniff. And you think he was drafted one year before Crosby, but didn't come because of the lockout. Mm. So that's one year he was robbed of. Then there was another lockout in 12, 13. Then there was COVID. The, the two shortened seasons. Yeah. Like he might already be like knocking on the door. And those two shortened seasons, he scored 38 and 32 goals. Yeah, he's he scored 38 goals in 46 games or something. It was disgusting. You ever see him uh, up close? He's gigantic. He's a big dude. He's 240 pounds. Yeah. He's just a monster. He's, he's what? He's five inches taller than me and 10 pounds heavier than me. And I'm fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should see what this guy eats as his pregame too. Oh, I can imagine. So he goes, to, he eats like the same pasta from like this Italian restaurant in D.C., uh, before every home game and he, he throws on, it's like a chicken parm kind of deal, but he throws on the, the bolognese full of like, I don't know how many, probably like a pound of ground beef in there because it's Ovechkin. And he also throws in like the cream sauce <laughs> and then the vodka sauce. <laughs> it's just, it's like swimming. This is like a food coma. That's like <laughs> that, uh, that old Doug Gilmore commercial. Remember where all the guys are working on? He's like, what, you guys don't carb load no more? <laughs> <laughs> Ovechkin does. Yeah. And he's got 9 million goals. Yeah. Hockey players are beasts though. Like did I ever tell you that story? Like I, I'm covering hockey in 2005, 06 and I'm trying to uh, get a cab back from uh, the rink down in Nassau uh, Coliseum there uh, back to the hotel. And the thing I think a lot of people don't realize is like when you're on the road covering playoffs is like the visiting team most likely is at the hotel you're at or around there. So I'm waiting for a cab. Nothing's coming. All of a sudden, I see three Buffalo Sabres, and it's Alex Kodalik, Maxima Finneganov, and Dimitri Kalinin. And, and you're the only guy that could have picked them out of a lineup. <laughs> no, you could pick them out because you could see like, the tight Euro pants and, oh, like, and the, the thick thighs. And the 49-inch thighs. So they're waiting for a cab. I'm waiting for a cab. All of a sudden, one shows up, and we both go to it, and they're like, hey, this is our cab. And I'm like... I think I called it. Like, we're, we're you're you going to fight them? No. So like, okay, well, where are you going? Oh, we're both going to the same place. We're going to the Marriott. Okay. Well, just, just go in. Bloody hell. They put me in the back seat there, Johnny. You were middle seat. Can you imagine? And I'm not like a small guy. I'm not like, I'm not six, three, 240 pounds, like an Ovechkin or something, but still like to be crammed in the back seat with, two other hockey players. There is not a torture in life that I can imagine that is worse. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't in the middle seat, thank God, but I was pushed up face against the the window <laughs> for the whole way back and knees clamped together like a Catholic schoolgirl, basically. Well, you're lucky it wasn't the eighties. They would have stuck you in the trunk. Hey, put the writer in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, these guys, <laughs> trust me, if they wanted to, I, I, I wasn't going to do anything because yeah, they, they could have easily. <laughs> so... Anyhow, how are things going with you these days? Everything is good, man. Everything's good. Are you itching for these playoffs? Or I what? am dying for the regular season to be over. Yes. How, how many times do you think uh, we're going to see Matthews, Marner, any, anyone of worth sat out of the game? Load management. Are we going to hear this now? I hope so. I don't want to take a risk of getting any of them hurt. I mean. Leafs play the Bruins on Thursday. I wouldn't dress any of them. Take them all out. Who's the Who's the rookie? Got his teeth knocked out. Scored his first goal. I didn't see that. You didn't see that? Oh, what? I can't remember his name. It's a long, crazy name. Scored a goal. Next shift, got his tooth knocked out. Really? Eh? Yeah. It's nice. See, they're they're starting to put. Yeah. No, it was first NHL game. Scores you. a goal, gets his teeth knocked out. What, what is the benefit of having Matthews, 
any of those guys in the lineup right now. It's just, you're just playing with fire, man. Yeah. Cause you're going to have, want to play. You're going to have guys going after them now just to try and get them out of the playoffs or to make their playoff run a little, a little tougher. Who's the guy the Leafs cannot afford? Like if you're going to say, Oh man, another Murray type injury. Who's the guy you don't want to hear? Is, is it Matthews? Is that the guy that the Leafs cannot win the round with uh, the series without, or is it now Samsonov or who would you pick? Well, it's gotta be Samsonov like number one, but that goes without saying, right? Yeah. That's kind of an easy one. That's like saying you, you lose your backup quarterback. Yeah. Obviously the starting quarterback, but I'm going to say Marner. Yeah. I'm going to say Marner. I think you can, you can win without Matthews maybe, but I don't think you can win without Marner. Somebody has got to set them up. And the PK. Yeah. Penalty kill and the power play. He plays everything. I think you lose Marner, you're done. Yeah. I think you could. Yeah. I'm trying to argue. I mean, the good thing is Marner doesn't, he's not injury prone. No, he doesn't get hit. No, that's the good thing. So I don't think we need to worry. But you got to worry about him playing the penalty kill and blocking a shot. And that's the thing. You don't want guys blocking shots. And like, again, the games are meaningless until uh, all it is is now just make sure you don't, you know, you sit down and you get cold and you, you got rust hanging off your stick. But yeah, in terms of like that danger of, yeah, taking a hit, like we saw it, Ryan O'Reilly, it didn't take him long to get hurt. And that was Matthews that hit him with the shot. Yeah. Broke his finger. So if that, if that happens again, fine, you can lose O'Reilly. It would suck obviously because you, you acquired him for a reason at the deadline, but yeah, I'm, I honestly think it's probably going to be a center that you don't want to lose. But now with O'Reilly, you've got a little safety net there. Mm. I'm with you. I think Marner is probably their most important forward right now because you've got three centers to choose from and Matthews, Tavares and O'Reilly. What you don't have is another Marner. No. Like, I don't think there's many guys in the league that do what Mitch Marner no. does. No, there's one guy in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Johnny. What do you think? We should uh, take some questions from the hockey verse. We have a great guest, and we haven't even. Oh mentioned yeah, them, this but. is a this is a special hockey verse question period with uh, somebody that's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. editor in chief of the of the hockey uh, news. We're, we're going to get to it right away. So let's go to it. Yeah, let's do some questions. We want to hear from you. What sets the Hockeyverse apart from other hockey podcasts is our commitment to answering listener questions on the topics that matter most. You can be on a future episode of the Hockeyverse by emailing heyhockeyverse at gmail.com or by leaving us a message in the show notes. If we like your question, we, along with our panel of experts, will answer it on the podcast and you'll be entered into our monthly draw for one of our many amazing prizes. So what are you waiting for? Ask away. Here we go. On today's episode of the Hockeyverse, we are pleased to be joined by our prospects expert, Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News. How are you doing there, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So, Ryan, you're heading down to Tampa Bay this week for the NCAA Frozen Four Tournament, where Leafs prospect Matthew Nyes is going to be competing against Feli Hobie Baker finalist Logan Cooley and Adam Fantilli for national championships. What's got you excited about this tournament, Ryan? I mean, honestly, the the field itself, you know, the the Frozen Four, it can be kind of hit and miss in terms of you know, NHL prospects, which is obviously what I care about. Every year the tournament has drama, but, you know, uh, teams like Minnesota and Michigan and Boston University are loaded with NHL prospects uh, who, you know, tend to be on the younger side, whereas uh, Quinnipiac, the fourth team, uh, who do have a couple of picks, uh, but they're a bit of an older squad, uh, very structured, you know, uh, very reliable. So, it's sort of uh, an interesting, you know, clash of uh, rosters there. But yeah, the fact that all three Hobie Baker nominees, or I should say finalists, are in the Frozen Four is pretty fantastic. And the fact that they're all so young, uh, you know, compared to the average college player is also very impressive and just sort of speaks to what kind of season we've seen in the NCAA with these, these uh, you know, hot young talents really taking center stage, which does not always happen. And I guess it doesn't hurt to have a leaf there, like a leaf prospect, because let's face it. We, we know the Toronto Maple Leafs push the needle and with the playoffs coming around the corner, everyone, it seems like everywhere I go, everyone's always asking, Hey, is Matthew Nyes is going to, is he going to be in the Leafs lineup this year? What's the, 
what's the potential of this guy? I, I, who are you most excited in seeing? Is it, is it Nyes? Is it one of those other guys like Cooley or Fantilli who I, I guess scouts are saying, or I don't know if you're, if you're saying it as well, is going to possibly be a top three pick in this year's draft? Yeah, I mean, for me, Adam Fantilli is like number two with a bullet right now. Um, you know, having seen him at the World Juniors, you know, he wasn't uh, a huge part of Canada's attack. Obviously, Connor Bedard led the way there. Uh, but I like that Fantilli took on a role and, and got better as the tournament went on. So I, I, I'd say, he, you know, him and Cooley are probably the ones I'm most excited to see uh, just in terms of looking at their growth live uh since the world juniors and, and Cooley had an amazing tournament you know we were sort of saying like if it hadn't been for that kid bedard we would have all been talking about logan Cooley because i think he might have ended up as the second leading scorer in the tournament um but the way he drives that gophers offense again you know doing so as a teenager is super impressive and you know he's got knives on his line he also has jimmy snuggerud who's a fantastic st louis blues prospect uh, also a first rounder um but yeah fantilly you know coming in as a, a true freshman uh you know just turned 18 during the season uh which is why he's first year draft eligible i i want to see like can he take what's a very exciting michigan team but one that has gone through a lot of adversity uh in terms of injuries and illness and you know a little bit of inconsistency because they're a, a very young lineup i mean can they actually do it can they go all the way? Uh, so many intriguing storylines, but um, I, I think Fantillion, and let's not forget Gavin Brindley, who is also a Michigan freshman, also a potential first rounder, uh, albeit you know later in the first round uh, with Michigan. It, there's just a ton. It's, it's a cornucopia of prospects, <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to it. And you got to go to Tampa Bay. Like, how did the hell you swing that, Ryan? Because you know we got the draft in Nashville. We had uh, the All Star Game in Florida. It, it just seems like this is the perfect storm of just great NHL events and great locations this year. It's very true. And you know, you even go back to uh, the draft being in Montreal last year. I almost felt like you know we had the pandemic, we had cancellations, you know, things and bubbles and whatnot. So once we were all back, it felt like the NHL was rewarding us. And it's like, thanks for sticking with us. You can go to Montreal, you can go to Nashville, <laughs> we'll put the All-Star game in Florida. And then, yeah, of course, I mean, with the with Frozen Four, they kind of uh, schedule it in blocks. And the interesting thing is that there is no team in Tampa, but uh, this is the second time they've had it there, and it was very successful the first time. So it's actually sponsored by the University of Wisconsin, of all schools. Um, but yeah, I love to, to cheat the bad weather. And I think it's about 25 degrees Celsius more warm there than it is here in Toronto. So can't complain. Well, that's one of the beauties about Toronto, right? Just give it a minute and it'll be 25 here and then it'll snow. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So we um, we do a question period on the podcast where uh, the listeners send in questions and we got some questions specifically for you. You up for it? Let's do it. All right. So this one comes from Twitter from at Anthony C.R. Dooley. And he asks, hey, Hockeyverse, what is the ceiling on Matthew Nyes? Yeah. So, I mean, the ceiling is is certainly as a top six forward, uh, potentially even a, a first liner. This is a kid that you know, he's got great size. He's got great power. It's really interesting. You know, I've been following him since he was in the USHL and during his draft year, you know, coming in, there was a bit of hype. He was in, invited to uh, Team USA's Summer World Junior Camp. So I was like, all right, what's this kid all about? And, you know, the first half of that season, he was just really snake-bitten. Uh, you know, just the production wasn't there. Things weren't quite clicking. He was playing for Tri-City in the USHL. And then in the second half, he it just clicked for him. He figured it out. He was much more of a north-south guy. Uh, creating a lot of things along the boards, winning battles, and the points started to flow for him. And I think, you know, over the past couple of years, he's gotten more consistent, and I think he's really figured out who he is on the ice. And I think that's why, you know, I mean, obviously prospects get hyped up a lot in Toronto, but I feel this one is, you know, it's, it's pretty warranted because he's a player they don't have a lot of guys like. You know, he could fit a role where you put him with a couple of skilled guys 
on a top line. And yes, he can get you points, but he can also, uh, you know, create and he can make space for guys and, uh, you know, he can win those battles in the corners. So even though he's a young guy, I mean, he's already six foot three, 210 pounds. The guy's a beast. And the good thing, yeah, yeah. And the good thing about the college schedule is, you know, you play two games a week, pretty much always on the weekend. The rest of your week, you can be in the weight room. So, right. you know, you get that that strength. And, you know, a lot of the players you're playing against are already 22, 23 years old. So you're getting a lot of good experience there. And, I, you know, I think Nye's, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what he'll do at the NHL level. I, I, I certainly think, you know, he's the kind of guy that he could surprise right away. And then, of course, you know, you kind of dial back expectations next season and say, okay, like, we got to make sure we develop this kid properly because if so, then, as you say, they got a beast on their hands. So who do you think his, uh, who, who do you think his comparable is in the NHL right now? Ooh, that's a good question, John. Yeah, I hate comparables. I'm just really bad at them. But I mean, he's a power forward. Um, just say he's Tom Wilson, okay, Ryan? And I know. Every, every like, person listening like, is just going to be like, ah, oh, we finally got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the funny thing is there's no fighting in college, right? Like, so we don't know. Which is really funny because, like, George Peros played NCAA. Kevin Westgarth played NCAA. Um, ironically, Adam Fantilli got into a fight this year. Um, oh, he got a Gordie Howe hat trick. How, how do you do in the fight? Uh, Oh, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he won the fight, but then and he's he was a freshman. The next game. That's great. Uh, yeah. He, did he fight a guy who was like significantly older? Uh you know what? I can't recall. It was some. It was somebody that had you know crashed the crease or something, and there was a bit of a scrum. But you know, I mean, Fantilli's got size as well, right? I mean, that's right. the big appeal with him. Um, but I digress. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's that power forward kind of player that they don't have. Mm. No, they had him. They had Zach Hyman. And I think that's what every Leaf fan is hoping for is that this guy, Zach Hyman, the other guy I keep hearing is Alex Tuck. Um, Cause he, he had that goal the other day, uh, nice, or I don't know, was making highlight reels where um, like, he's obviously got great size, but then he, he's, he looks like he's got really a nice set of hands as well to go along with it. So I think a lot of people are just like, can we pencil him in on one of the top six lines? Is he going to be mm-hmm. a replacement for like a yarn crook or a, and Alex Kerfoot, and I don't know, maybe that's too yeah. much to ask for a guy, like, just to jump in and, hey, you're now facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in, you know, the right. first round of the playoffs, and you have to win, by the way, kid. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the the most important thing is, you know, if you're going to toss them into the deep end like that, just give them a super defined, simple role. You know, just be like, go up and down the ice, crash and bang, you know, um, let the other guys worry about you know, the defensive responsibilities and things like that, you just cause havoc. Um, and, you know, if you can do that in the short term, then that's great. And, you know, certainly in terms of offensive upside, he's, he would be a big uh, upgrade uh, ceiling-wise from a guy like Kerfoot or Yarncroc, even though Yarncroc, I think he's, I don't know if he's at 20 goals yet, but it's, I knew he was close to it. Last time I checked. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think the Leafs need more scoring. I think they need more banging. <laughs> Like well, think, he could bring that. Yeah, I think, like, I was going to ask you what role you think he'd play in the playoffs, but I think you answered it. I think he's just going to go out there and make a mess. Yeah, and, you know, Tampa Bay, I mean, especially in the playoffs, like, they play rough, you know, and they're a pretty big team. They, You think about all their skill guys, first and foremost, and you think about Vasilevsky and Nett, but, you know, you think back to that series that they had with Toronto last year, and it got nasty real quick. And I think Toronto's probably a lot better suited for that series this year, uh, you know, guys like Achari and, and Ryan O'Reilly and, and even some of the guys on the back end. Um, but, you know, Nyes could hypothetically help in that regard. Yeah, I'm picturing a Tanner Janot, Matthew Nyes fight center ice game one. There you go. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to tangle with Tanner Janot right away, but no, I, 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 I who hear the hell you. Would, man? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we got a we got a couple more questions. So Marcus Petkopoulos asks via text, Hey Hockeyverse, scouts have been playing a key role for NHL franchises to pick the best talent in the minor league system. Yet, with the emergence of analytics, how much weight or value do they still carry in the NHL? Well, I'm just I'm just gonna check out of this question. Uh, I'll see you guys <laughs> back for question number three. <laughs> No, Ryan. Uh, right, right. What do you think of this one, Ryan? Yeah, basically, he's asking: Are scouts still worth the money? Well, I, a guy like Ryan, oh, yeah, who is sure. you know the brains behind 
uh, future watch as well as their draft preview, I would say, yeah. And I, I'm actually curious how you're going to answer this because this is one thing whenever I sit with scouts or when I ever talk to you, it, it, it is a lot of people say, I think it's a guessing game. I don't buy that at all. I think you guys are well-informed. I think when you go to watch guys, you're, you're watching stuff that I think average fans not seeing. So I'm really curious to see what your, your thoughts on the whole eye test versus analytics. Uh, um, I guess Excel sheet would, uh, where, where you fall, fall on that. Yeah. I mean, for me, like scouts are the most important and I, you know, I love talking to them. They have so much knowledge, uh, and and that's why it's always great, you know, when they they give me insight. Um, the way that they can break down a player's stride, uh, you know, the things they see in terms of the upside, uh, you know, the fact that they get to know these kids, they get to know their parents, they talk to their teachers. Like, there's so much that goes into these decisions because they are huge, and you know, the margins of of error are so thin there where, you know, they say like a successful draft is if you get like two out of seven in the NHL. Um, but you want to make sure that, you know, if you can get three or four from that draft class, then all of a sudden, you know, your team's way ahead. And, you know, you think about some of the teams that are successful right now and their ability to find guys in later rounds, you know, like, I mean, Tampa Bay and Al Murray, their head scout. Like, think about all the picks that Tampa Bay has made in the past that have been outside the first round that have turned into key members of that squad. Um, so for me, I think, you know, a- analytics are helpful. Um, you know, you can, you can bring some numbers to the table and say, okay, you know, are we missing something here? Is there a player that um, maybe has gone under the radar that you should look into again? Um, but for me, like, you know, you got to go old school. You got to be in the rinks. You got to see the kid in person. Um, you know, I, I know video is helpful, but for me, like, it's just a totally different game when you're there because you can see everything, you can hear everything. Um, and, you know, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. That's good. I'm a big, I'm a big eye test guy. Like even coming from baseball, scouting is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which brings us to the third question, which fits in perfectly from Robert Detigny. He asked via email, hey, Hockeyverse, one year later, did the Habs make the right pick choosing Yuri Slavkovsky over Logan Cooley or Shane Wright? Who would you have picked? You know what? I I was team Shane Wright the whole way because my personal philosophy is when you're picking that high, when you're picking first overall and you have the chance to get a center, you got to do it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in hindsight, if you want to say, Logan Cooley's better at this point. I'm totally fine with that. I, I understand that. And Cooley has been fantastic. So it's like, okay, if they had taken Cooley first, uh, <laughs> I would have been cool with that. Now, it's interesting because, you know, the half in Nick Suzuki, I think they have kind of a 1B center. I don't think he's a pure number one center. And, you know, he got off to a good start and he kind of regressed uh, points wise. They make the Kirby Dock trade at the draft. And, you know, I know Doc is having a lot of success there and people are saying, like, oh, okay, maybe they unlocked the secret. But it's like, okay, at the same time, you're playing for nothing. And you've been playing for nothing for months. Mm -hmm. So for me, the jury's still out on how many of these young players in Montreal are actually improving and how many of them are just like, doesn't matter what we do. Like, (laughs) if we make mistakes and lose, that's fine. If we get two points, uh, that's great. But whatever, you know, like, it's the, it's still development. So for me, um, <clears throat> I would have rather have Wright or Cooley in the system. Now, you know, the funny thing is, if Montreal gets the number one pick this year, even the number two pick, and they get either Dude, Bedard they or Fan one year. They, they waited one year. They, they got it two, one year too late or too early, man. Like, to, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. To get, last year's draft was, I think we're going to look back on it and it's going to be similar to that whole Neil Yakupov year where everyone was right. hurt. No one knew what the order should be. Yep. Even now, I think looking back, you go, maybe Morgan Riley should have been the number one pick. Maybe it was Philip Forsberg. I think Hampus yeah. was also in that one. But yeah, I think we're going to be looking back at this one going, yeah, it wasn't Slavkovsky. It might not have been even Cooley or right. Hey, it was either like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking down here. It was like, yeah, Joachim Kemmel was the, <laughs> he was the true number one. Yeah, 
Yeah, really. Or maybe it's Jimmy Snuggerud. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, like he's off to a great start. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we say it's like, yeah, that was just kind of a whatever draft. And then, and and, and yeah, again, again, like this year, like you got Bedard, you got Fantilli, both centers. Leo Carlson uh, out of Sweden, he hasn't been playing center, but everybody I talk to says he projects as a center. Uh, it's just the situation he's in with his, his club team. Um, so right off the hop there, you got three potential number one centers. So if Montreal grabs one of those guys, then all of a sudden you say, okay, well, if you have a combination of, let's say, Fantilli uh, and Slavkovsky, then it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to knock that. That could be tremendous. You know, put them with Cole Caulfield, that's a tremendous line. Um, but, you know, if we're just keeping this in the realm of, like, what should you do, uh, I would have taken either Wright or Cooley. Awesome. Hey, Ryan, before we let you go, we were talking about jo- uh, Joseph Wall earlier. Um, and he looks like he could be a guy that the Leafs are maybe going to have to turn to now that Ryan Murray is questionable for, who knows, the foreseeable future. Did you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on Wall? Like, did you get to see him much as a, a Marley this year? Or what, what do you make of his kind of development? I mean, I think he's a pretty solid goaltending prospect. Uh with me, it's like he checks a lot of the boxes. Number one being that he's got the size, right. and you know, you look at the Leafs' schedule; like they don't have that many games remaining, which is uh, obviously a benefit. Yeah, he's you know he's six foot three. I mean, I remember seeing him come up the ranks, you know, when he was with Boston College, and then yeah, with the Marlies, uh, obviously putting up great numbers uh, when he's down there. Um, I, I think at this point, really, what you what you're doing is you give him a couple of starts so that Samsonov is rested for the playoffs and then you know if, if he has to be your backup like he's probably not going to see any or much action uh but at least you've got an option there if murray can't go yeah i think if we have to see wall in the playoffs we're in trouble yeah well that means something really bad happened i i keep saying this in an <laughs> ideal world it, it's samsonov it's been his net all year mm-hmm. and it, it's not going to change yeah I, I think if murray's healthy or not it's still samsonov's net and you're right, Johnny. I think if if we're turning to, or if the Leafs are turning to jo- uh, Joseph Wall, or they had to turn to Murray, things have gone bad, and and, and bad in a way where I don't see them coming out of the first round. Yeah. So, hey, Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can do this again because, like I said, we told the uh, the hockey verse out there that we're having the editor in chief of the hockey news and prospects ex- expert Ryan Kennedy on, and yeah, we we got a ton of questions, so. Yeah, ho- hopefully we can do this again and have fun in Tampa Bay. And yeah, uh, let, let us know how Matthew Nyes does, because like I said, all of Toronto is kind of <laughs> hoping he's the next Zach Hyman plus. Right. Yeah, I'm getting that sense. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. It was uh, fun being on. Beautiful. Enjoy the sunshine, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Hockeyverse. If you enjoyed this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing the Hockeyverse to your friends and family. Also, be sure to check out thehockeyverse.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's specifically written for you, the diehard hockey fan. From insider news to opinion and analysis, our NHL-focused newsletter will entertain and equip you for the conversations of the day. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is The Hockeyverse.